You guys ready for the word? Well, we're excited uh, about tonight's speaker. He's been, uh, he's no stranger to this chapel or to the ministry of Brooklyn Teen Challenge. Uh, he's actually a graduate from 1967. <laughs> he graduated the program eight years before I was even born. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> but you know what's even more impressive? And I, and I always find this, this. There's two great things that are sanctifiers in your life. And obviously, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, Jesus. And the other thing is marriage. <laughs> and, and he's married to his wife for 52 years. That deserves a round of applause. 52 years. That is incredible. And that deserves a round of applause. He's the former pastor of Christ Alone Ministries and presently an internet Bible teacher. He's been all over the country, all over the world, representing not only Teen Challenge, but preaching the gospel. Uh, Pastor Ben Torres, why don't you come up and share a word? We're so excited to have you here tonight. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You know, Pastor Paul, I was thinking one of the things I'm going to share with my wife immediately, you have an awesome, awesome worship in this place. One of the things that I always look for wherever I go to be part of a church and then when I used to pastor is to have a good worship team because worship brings the presence of the Lord. It ushers in the presence of the Lord. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And in the Hebrew, it actually means that God enthrones himself in the midst of the praises of his people. And I used to teach my people here in the Bronx, when the praises go up, the power comes down. Amen? Amen. Father, we're just so thankful that, Lord, there's been an awesome presence of your spirit. And, Lord, you said where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I pray, dear God, that you will anoint me in a very powerful, powerful way. That the message that you've laid upon my heart, I will be able to communicate it effectively. And, Lord, that you give us all open and receptive hearts that the word would fall on good soil and it would bring forth fruit for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Paul gave you a, a quick little background of Ben Torres, but let me just add a little bit to that. Uh, this building wasn't even here when I first came into the program. It was a regular apartment house that they had, and that's where the offices were at. And I entered into 416 way back in 1966. At that time, I was running from a parole officer. I had been sentenced to five years to a penitentiary upstate for selling narcotics. I was dealing drugs. And I was foolish enough to sell to an undercover agent. And uh, I'm standing in front of my house one day, nice sunny day, it was in the summer. 
And a car went by. It was going down Carlton Avenue. Maybe some of you are familiar. And then I lived on Park Avenue. Here's Carlton Avenue. And, the, and I was standing outside, nice day. And I saw the car go down. And I noticed that a guy in the back seat, he ducked. He ducked. And there was two men in the front. And I knew enough, but I was so high. But I knew enough. Those are two detectives, and this guy is pointing me out. He went, boom, down in the back. But I was so high that I stood there. Instead of taking off, I just remained there. And uh, so the car went around and came back on Park Avenue, and it pulled up in front of me. The two detectives got out. They grabbed me and shoved me into the car. And they put me in the back seat, put the handcuffs on me. And I said, what's this all about? And they said, we have a warrant for your arrest for the sale of narcotics to an undercover agent. I thought, oh, my God. Five years for that. I went away, and I served about two and a half, almost three, and came out and went right back to drugs again and got strung out. And that's when I came to Teen Challenge. I did a little thing on Facebook, running from the law and captured by the Lord. I came here running from the law, but I was captured by the Lord. And I got saved. At a Saturday night rally that Brother Dave Wilkerson was conducting, and I sat in the back, and, and I'm going to be teaching you this tonight, the struggle with the two of me. The struggle with the two of me. And I was struggling that night. And there was a theater down in the lower side of Manhattan that Brother Dave used to lease for Saturday night rallies. And I was in the back with the guys in the program. And there was the struggle. One was saying, leave, take off. I had this temptation of wanting to get high because I hadn't been saved yet. I've been in the program 10 days. I wasn't saved yet. The other was saying, stay. This is where the answer is at. And thank God that the second voice won out. And when Brother Dave had the invitation, I went up to the front. And Brother Don knows me well. I traveled with him a lot. And Brother Dave, I actually worked at Times Square Church with him. And did a lot of teaching for them. And uh, Brother Dave, this was a high platform because it's a theater. And Brother Dave was going along. Listen to this one. On Friday night, this is from Brother Don, told me later on. On Friday night, or a Friday morning during the day, they had gotten together. Don and Brother Dave, they got together in the office there. And they were discussing my situation because for those 10 days, I was nothing but a clown in the program. How many know you can be a clown here? Hello? Right? We may have some here tonight. I was a clown. I was just joking, you know, making fun of the guys when they were banging the tambourines and praising the Lord. You know, I, <laughs> you know, holy rollers. I was a clown. And so they were discussing whether... Ben Torres is to be put out of, the, uh, out of the program. And listen to this. They said, this is Brother Don telling me, 
Let's see what happens this weekend. The rally. And if something doesn't happen, he's out. And I believe that God looked down from heaven and said, something is going to happen on Saturday night because he belongs to me. Hallelujah. Come on. When he had that altar call, he came along and he said to me, Ben, what do you want? That was Brother Dave. I said, Brother Dave, ever since I've been a kid, I've been empty. And I started smoking pot when I was about 15, became a heroin addict when I was 11, uh, 15 years old. That went on for 11 years. I said, I've been bound with my addiction. And right now, I said, I have this desire of wanting to leave. I said, but I know it's not out there. And if God cannot do something for me tonight, I'm going to have to leave the program. And Brother Dave prayed a very short and powerful prayer. And all he got out of his mouth was, Jesus, help him. And he put his hand on me. Jesus, help him. And the power of God hit me. My hands went up in the air. And I started crying out, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. All of a sudden, the tears started running down my cheeks. And I fell on my knees crying out to God. And I knew that I knew that I knew that on my knees I had been born again and I would never shoot drugs again. That is 53 years ago. I haven't been saved 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35. I've been saved 53 years. And can I tell you, it works. Hallelujah. I never went back to heroin, never went back to any of that foolishness. And I've been serving the Lord since 1970 in full-time ministry. God is good. Amen? All right, let's get into the teaching tonight. I experienced the struggle with the two of me when I went to the farm. I went to the training center, as many of you know, in Reersburg, Pennsylvania. And I was definitely saved, born again, loving the Lord. But while I was at the farm, there was a war going on inside of me. And the war was that two things that really, you know, uh, troubled me at that time. Number one was my thought life. The lusts. The lusts. The second thing was my emotions, the anger. And I remember back then going out into the cornfields, because, you know, many of you, it was a dairy farm. I heard it still is. And I go to those cornfields, Pastor Paul, and I would walk through those cornfields crying out to God because of the struggle with the two of me. Jesus, help me. And I got to a place, this is the truth, that I would literally punch myself, hating myself because of the struggle with the two of me. Because one, I wanted to serve God, love God, do his will. But on the other hand, there was this battle, this battle in me. Are you hearing me? How many can identify? Come on, be honest. Come on. The struggle with the two of me. And I would cry out to God, God, help me. I don't want to leave the program. I don't want to go back out into the world. I know that's it's not where it's at. But Lord, the battle that's within me. And then, number two, I experienced that in my ministry. 
And matter of fact, you know how I got this message? At the program. I teach at Pivot House once a week on Thursdays. And I go there and I teach the men. And I see some of them struggling with the two of me. One man in particular that God laid on my heart. And I see the struggle that he's going through. And as I saw that struggle, I went home and I started praying for this individual. And this is where this message came from. The struggle with the two of me. Now hear me carefully. It's not only him, but down through the years... I have seen men that love the Lord, baptized in the Holy Spirit, some of them even graduates of an institute, Bible institute, or a college. And today they're six feet under, having died in their sin because of the struggle with the two of me. One brother in particular, I was the one that performed his wedding and I was the one that also did his funeral when he died of an overdose. And I want to pour my heart out to you. Is that okay? And I want to really teach you how to get the victory over the two of me. Because if we do not get the victory over the two of me, God forbid, I'm not wishing this on anybody, but until we conquer that, there's a possibility that you can be one of them that is struggling with the, you know, the two of me, and you do not get the victory, and because of that, the devil wipes you out. We want to live victoriously. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 7, and I want to give you a biblical description of the individual that was struggling with the two of me. And we go over to Romans chapter 7, and I want to read this to you. Romans chapter 7, we'll start with verse 14. And this individual was struggling with the two of me. And he says here in Romans chapter 7, starting with verse 14, he said, for we know that the law is spiritual. That's the Mosaic law. But I'm carnal. Sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand the struggle of the two of me. He says, for what I will to do. I want to do what is right, Jesus. That I do not practice. He said, but what I hate, that I do. I hate, you know, the temptations or the drugs or this or that. But I find myself doing it. This individual that I told you I performed this wedding and, and then actually his funeral, sad thing. Oh, my goodness. He was serving the Lord in full-time ministry. He loved the Lord, but he couldn't get the victory. So he says this, if I then, verse 16, do what I will not to do, I agree with the Lord that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil 
I, I will not to do, that I practice. Can anybody f- identify with this? Hmm? You say, Lord, I love you. I'm saved in the farm. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. By the way, as you sit in this chapel, this is where I got married. Lila and I, my wife, got married here by Brother Don. We had our reception right out there in the dining room area. And so you find yourself that you love the Lord, brothers and sisters. And you say, I want to do what is right. Man, I know what is right. But then on the other hand, I find myself doing the opposite. I find myself looking at somebody in the wrong way, thinking something about somebody the wrong way. I'm struggling. And, and somebody said here, one of the brothers was testifying, you wanted to leave. You feel like I want to give up. See? And that's what happens to us, the struggle with the two of me. Now let's go over one more, Galatians chapter 5, and we identify it clearly now, the two of me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. And here the apostle Paul, who is the one that was struggling in Romans chapter 7 with the two of me, he identifies them. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. And he says this here. In Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I say then. He said, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And here's the thing. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh These are contrary one to another, two different natures, two entities, so that you do not do the things that you wish. The battle of the two of me is the flesh and the spirit. You see, before our conversion to Christ, before my conversion to Christ, I was just strictly flesh. Christ was not in me. I was flesh. And because I was flesh off living in the fallen nature, the Adamic nature, I was being true, you know, to that nature. That means I was an addict and that, you know, that lifestyle brings a whole lot of other uh, habits that follows that. And I was a mess. Now I get born again. And I had an awesome experience when I got saved. I was saved, born again. I go to the farm. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, I'm aware now of two natures. I have the old Adamic sinful nature, and I have the Spirit of God living in me. Okay? But listen to me now. Because of the sinful life that we lived, us in the program, that life became a second nature. A second nature. You automatically do things like that. You hear what I'm saying? I didn't sit down and say, well, am I going to get high today or I'm not going to get high? Well, maybe I'll get high or yes, I'll get high. No, I automatically got high. That was a lifestyle. Come on. Hello. I I tell people sometimes you would never know the life that I lived. Man, I lived for heroin. That was it. That was my thing. Day in, day out. I lived for it. I loved it. And now I get saved and I got the spirit of God in me. But the flesh, the two of me. And that second nature is trying to take me back into bondage and total destruction. Okay? So the battle goes on. 
And what happens, I'm going to give you some things as I look at the men in the program, and maybe you're experiencing. Some of the negatives, when you battle with the two, the two of you, the two of me, number one, you have no joy. You have no joy. Can I say this, and you know it, and I thank God that I experience it every day. Salvation is as, uh, you're going to freely drink from the wells of salvation. Okay? With joy, excuse me, with joy you shall drink of the wells of salvation. Salvation brings with it joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. Oh, it's so wonderful to be free. It's so wonderful to be born again. And so when you're struggling with the two of me, there's no joy. And I look at the men as I'm teaching. They sit around the tables and they're taking notes. And there's one fellow in particular, for some reason, God's laid him on my heart. And I see him and I say, he's got no joy. He has no joy. Because when you're struggling with the two of me, you have no joy. The second thing that it'll rob you of is your peace. Your peace. Because in the struggle, sometimes we yield to the struggle, the wrong, you know, end of it. And you lose your peace. You lose your peace. And the Bible says there's no peace to the wicked. So you have no peace. But God said, I've come to give you that peace. Amen? Amen. I come to give you that peace. So you have no peace. Then you have the battle with negative, negative, negative thoughts and attitudes. Come on. There's no freedom. You know, your mind, my goodness, it's a battlefield, and I can't think correctly, amen, and I have all these negative thoughts, and then you get the attitudes, the attitudes. You have no peace. You have no joy. Negative attitudes. Let me give you another one under this. Not only that, but also there's the desire of wanting to give up, wanting to check out. I, you know how many times I wanted to leave this program? Because of the battle, the two of me, at the farm, I battled tremendously, tremendously. And some guys, they're in the program seven months, eight months, and then they're out the door. Why after seven, eight months? Why can't you go the, you know, the few more months that are left? Because of the battle. I begged them. Let me give you one. I used to teach at the Walter Hoven home on a Monday. Every Monday, I did it for a long time. I used to go up there and teach. Every Monday at the Walter Hoven home. There was a sister that was in the program about maybe eight months. And she was from the Bronx. And uh, Debbie Jonas was the director at that time. And the sister, after eight months, wanted, wanted to check out. And I knew her in the program and from the streets. And she wanted to check out. So the director comes to me and says, Ben, so-and-so wants to leave. Would you talk to her? And I went and I literally begged her to stay. You only have a few more months. You know, why don't you finish the program? Let God finish what he's endeavoring to do in your life. Oh, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And she left. Well, she didn't take her personal belongings, and she came back about three weeks later with another sister, a friend from the streets. She had sunglasses on, you know, and she was high. And they had put all of her personal belongings in these bags. She came to get her stuff. 
Debbie comes to me again, Debbie Jonas, and said, oh, she's here now. You know, Ben, could you talk to her, talk to her? Because Debbie didn't want to see her, you know, leaving the program like that. And she knew they were high. So I, got over to, I go over, over to her and I beg her again and trying to talk to her. And I said, look, you're high. You're going to destroy yourself in the streets. Oh, no, you don't understand, Ben. I'm doing fine. You know, and they left. Listen to what happened to her. Months later, somebody killed her and chopped her up in pieces, put her in those big black, you know, garbage bags, and they found her under one of the bridges. Dead. I say, oh, God, give us the victory over the two of me. Come on. Give us the victory, Lord. We don't want to go out there and perish in our sins. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And God has the very best for you. I sat where you sit. Actually, now I can say I sat where you sit. But you guys are sitting. That's where I sat. Struggling with the two of me. Never thinking that any good thing can come out of Antares. But thank God the victory was won. And I'm going to give you that tonight. The victory was won. And I got the victory over the two of me. And I can come now to the place where I got saved, got married, and I can teach you that there is victory over the two of me. Hallelujah. There's victory in, the, in Jesus Christ. So there's the desire of wanting to give up. And finally, you find yourself back to your sinful practices. You leave the program, you go out, you're getting high again, and God forbid a tragedy takes place like this young woman, and they find her in a bag, chopped up to pieces. Horrible, horrible crime because of the struggle with the two of me. Amen? Now, let me give you this. I'm going to give you the deliverance. How did I come to a place scripturally how we get the victory over the two of me? If you're taking notes, write them down. They're going to be very helpful. And these are things, brothers and sisters, that I learned in experience or out of experience. There is victory over the two of me. The first one that I found by experience and scripturally, number one is your identification with the death of Jesus Christ. Your identification with the death of Jesus Christ. Listen to me carefully. Salvation is not only an acceptance of Christ. Salvation is an identification with Christ. Let me repeat that again. Salvation is not just an acceptance of Christ. And we all know that. You give your heart to the Lord, you get saved. But it's also an identification with Christ. The man that I made reference to, the apostle Paul, when he was Saul of Tarsus, then got saved because Romans chapter 7, he is saved. And he found himself struggling with the two of me. And all of a sudden, Paul discovered the way out, the deliverance. And he said this, for I have been crucified with Christ. Past tense, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, excuse me, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I live now in the flesh, I live 
by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the first thing is your identification with the death of Jesus Christ. Paul said, he died, I died. And you see, we have to come. You know, one of the things that used to trouble me when I was at the farm was so many of the guys still wanted to act macho man, macho man, and still talking that nonsense. Are you hearing me? You see, but when we come to Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But my question is this, and many of you use that when you give your testimony. Oh, uh, and the Lord, my scripture in closing, and you may quote that. I've heard it many times. But when were you placed in Christ? When? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. When were you placed in Christ? Or where? On the cross. When Jesus died, you died with him. Are you hearing me? You died with him. So all that we used to be, all of this nonsense from the old life, that's not us any longer. That's not you. You're a new creature in Christ. The old Ben Torres, they used to call me Benny back then, he was crucified with Christ. And I had to realize that's not you any longer. You're dead. You have died to your old life. Another scripture he gives us there is in Galatians 5.24. And those who are Christ, those who have been born again, they belong to Jesus, have crucified the flesh with his passions and his desires. Hallelujah. Those who are Christ, do you belong to Jesus tonight? Come on. Do you belong to Jesus? Amen. Come on. Come on. Help me preach. You belong to Jesus. Well, if you belong to Jesus, then you say, as Jesus died, I died with him. I hear me. Not only did he die on the, uh, on the cross for my sins, but I died with him to my sins. And that's not you any longer. And the sooner that we realize that and start putting it into practice, the quicker you're going to find yourself getting victory over the two of me. Amen. Amen? It's just that sometimes it's the hardest thing to die. We just can't identify with that. We still want to hang on to something. You know, I got a neighbor across the street. He's not a Christian yet. But the other, you know, he, they just moved in recently. Puerto Rican dude. And uh, he, he wants to be macho. He wants to be macho. And, uh, you know, I come out of this nonsense. Come on. I've been around the block not once, not twice, Maybe a thousand times. Come on. So I go over there to greet him the other day, and he's drinking his beer. And, he, you know, he can't hold his liquor. He gets a few cans of beer in him, and all of a sudden he's, he acts like a jerk. Excuse the term. That's what he does. So I go there, and I got my Yankee hat on, you know. And he says, uh, I won't tell you the word he said, but he pointed to the hat, and he said, you know, you got this. And he said something wasn't too nice, you know. And then later on, he said something else that wasn't too nice. And I said to myself, he doesn't know where I came from. <laughs> 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 Hallelujah. 
He doesn't know. He doesn't know the old man. You know, but I kept quiet. As a Christian, you just keep quiet, you know, and let the Lord, you know, put hot coals on him as you love your enemy. And someday I'm going to talk to him about it. But you see, some of us, and I saw that so prevalent among us, we still want to act like macho man. Come on. And we have to recognize the fact that macho man was crucified to a cross. You know, they used to get up and give testimonies when we traveled at the farm. And, you know, how many women they had and who they shot and who they stabbed and, you know, and all this stuff. And Bobby or Scotty, I, you know Bobby or Scotty. Bobby or Scotty used to say to me, Pastor Ben, that's not a testimony. That's a testabalone. It's <laughs> not a testimony. See, so the first thing in my being set free and you being set free, his cross becomes my cross. He died. I died. What did I die to? What I used to be. I'm not an addict anymore. I'm a new creature in Christ. And that old talk, all things have passed away. I don't talk like that anymore. I don't, like, I don't act like that anymore. Because that was nailed to the cross. Amen? The second thing is this. Number two, the daily application of the cross. The daily application. And the reason why we need the daily application is because habits do not die immediately. By faith I say I've been crucified. But the two of me says, no, I'm very much alive. And the two of me wants my thought life to go in the wrong direction. Hello. Stop thinking the wrong things. Look in the wrong way. Attitudes of anger, whatever. And you know what I need to do? I need to embrace that. Jesus said, if any man will come after me or any woman, let them deny themselves, pick up the cross, and follow me. And the apostle Paul said in Corinthians 15, I die daily. So I say by faith I've died with Christ. That's not Ben Torres any longer. Thank God for that. But something begins to surface. There's something there that wants to rear its head. And try to bring me back into bondage. And that's when I applied the cross. And I say, no way, Jose. I've died with Christ. And I'm going to crucify that desire. Amen. Amen? You pick your cross. And you're constantly denying yourself. And as you're denying yourself, and I'm, de I'm denying myself, more of the life of Christ is being developed in us. Amen? The daily application of the cross. Let me give you, there's two more and, and we close. We're going to have our invitation. Number three, the yielding, the yielding of the Holy Spirit. Yielding to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. You're yielding to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis and making no provision for the flesh. You're yielding. When I get up in the morning, my wife and I, we have an awesome time, a devotional time, awesome time in the Word, and an awesome time in prayer. So immediately before breakfast or anything, we spend an hour or more in devotion, in devotional time. 
What am I doing? The moment I get out of bed, I'm not even dressed yet. Wash, meet her in the, in the living room. She's got her chair. I have my chair. We get the Bibles. We open them up, and we start. I open in prayer, and I do the reading. We've gone all through the epistles. Now we're in the Gospels. We've already read the book of Psalms. We've read Proverbs. Now I'm in Ecclesiastes. When we finish that, then I'll go to the Old Testament, and we'll read. We read two chapters, and then we pray, and I mean we pray. What am I doing? From the moment I wake up, I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm not yielding to the flesh. I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me? Now I'm going to make a statement. Write it down. Write it down. This is very important. You're yielding to the Holy Spirit. You're making no provision for the flesh. Now watch. What you do not feed will eventually die. That's original. What you do not feed will eventually die. Don't feed a habit and it's on its way out. What you do not feed will eventually die. Don't feed a dog and how many know it's on its way out. Don't feed a habit and it's on its way out. You know, some of us are like my son. We had this beautiful little dog. I have another dog now. And... I used to tell my son when he was a, young, a youngster, we had this beautiful dog, Mandy. I used to say to him, Jonathan, don't feed Mandy any food from the table. He said, oh, yes, 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 yes daddy, yes, daddy. He was about seven, eight, nine years old. And you know, he and the dog were smart. The dog would go underneath the table, and my son would reach underneath the table, and he was feeding the dog. Okay, so Mandy's under the dog, and Jonathan's arm is under the dog, and under the table, and he's feeding the dog. And I said, Jonathan, what did I tell you? Get that arm up, you know? And he was feeding the dog. And that's how we are sometimes. We feed our habits under the table. We feed them when nobody's looking, but God sees everything. Come on. You don't want to be feeding your habits under the table. Because what you do not feed will eventually die. Amen? All right? So you yield. You're yielding every day, every morning. Brothers, when you wake up, this is the day the Lord has made. And I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. And through this day, I'm going to walk in the spirit and make no provision for the flesh. I'm not going to feed it under the table. Hello? Amen. I tell you this victory in Jesus, hallelujah. This victory in Jesus and my desire for all of us. I got to pivot. You know, I'm not getting any big bucks or anything. I got to, they give me for gas. He knows it. I got to pivot because I want to see the men make it. Till my dying day, I'll be preaching and teaching the word of God so you all make it. Hallelujah. Because there's victory in Jesus. Amen? So yielding to the Spirit, and I close with this one. And this is very important, the last one. By building yourself up spiritually, by building yourself up spiritually, 
through the disciplines of the following things I'm going to give you. By building yourself up spiritually through the disciplines of the following things. Number one, the first one is prayer. Learn how to develop a prayer life. I told you, I used to walk through the cornfields. Literally, I can cry thinking about it. And what a battle I had with the two of me. But I learned something way back then. How to pray. How to pray. In Teen Challenge, I was taught how to pray. I remember when I was in 416 at 3 o'clock, Brother Don can tell you, we used to hear, because we had a lot of Spanish guys in the program back then, oración, oración. It meant prayer. And they said, brothers, brothers, prayer time, prayer time. And we would come down to the chapel that you have there, and we would get on our knees, and we would cry out to God. We would pray. And so the first discipline is the discipline of prayer. Find the place where you can pray. Wherever I've been, whether in schools, I went to two Bible schools, I always found the place to pray and seek the face of God. The Bible says, building up yourself in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The second discipline is the Word of God, the Bible. I told you, we read through it. I've been through the Bible I don't know how many times in the years that I've been a Christian. I've memorized a lot of it as well. Get the Word of God into you. I'll give you one scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. I write unto you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. He says, and you have overcome the wicked one. Get the word of God into you. Study it. Read it. Listen to the classes. I have a class I, they always take, they're taking notes because I'm easy to follow. And I love to see when they get out there, you know, writing path or whatever, and they begin to take notes. Get the word of God into you because the word of God is going to help you to overcome. This, the, the, the next one is fasting, fasting. Where you can say, I'm going to miss lunch, breakfast. Maybe you're not used to it, you eat dinner. If you get used to it, then you go a day, two days. I fasted, you know, four days, five days. And you deny yourself, especially when you're going through the battle, the struggle with the two of me. You fast. God hears that. Then what you did earlier, Pastor Paul, worship. Don't sit there when they're worshiping, you know, and... You look around, look around, look around. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Worship has a way of changing you and me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Got to worship. Got to enter in. Clap your hands. Lift up your hands. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Enter in. 
Because what's happening is spirit with spirit, spirit with spirit, and worship has a way of changing you. It changes you. Participate in worship. And the last one is by walking in the light with others. By walking in the light with others. You know, one of my faults had been that I tend to keep things to myself. And we have this thing where, oh, what if I tell Pastor Paul? What is he going to think of me? If I tell him I'm struggling with my thought life, I'm struggling with this. But the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. It says, he who hides his sins will not prosper. But he who confesses them and forsakes them will have mercy. So what do you do? You come over to Pastor Paul and you say, I'm struggling. Can I talk to you? And you confess your faults one to another. Tell him about your struggle. And then he can give you some counseling or another staff member. And then you can join together. And how many know, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Confess your faults one to another. Don't hide. Because you know when you're hiding your sin, you're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. And how many know who operates in the darkness? The devil. Walk in the light with others. Let them know. I'm struggling. The two of me, I'm struggling. The flesh wants me to leave the program, but I know it's not out there. And I want you to know, Pastor Paul, what I'm going through. And let that staff member hear about it and let him give you some counseling and bind that spirit, amen, and release you in the love of God. God bless you. Hallelujah. Let's stand.